This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 293 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Flexible Nuts. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. <laughs> our sponsors this week are Kentucky Performance Products. For all of their great products, go to kppusa.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. I kind of have to think that uh, this particular episode is going to create a lot of bloopers for the blooper reel for our mighty fine auditors that have signed up. Because... (laughs) Indeed, we are. Yes. With a title nut, uh, Flexible Nuts, it's got to go downhill from here. We are Flexible Nuts, <laughs> tell all your friends if you want to know what the heck that means, you got to listen to the rest of the show. <laughs> Get your earbuds out. Let's just put it that way. We do have a couple great guests coming up. And also, we have, we're going to learn a little something today. And, and then also, uh, coming up later in the show on the Tack and Habit segment, I'm going to review a site that has posted a complete list of applications for your phone that involve horses. And some of them are funny and bizarre. So we'll go over those. I didn't know there were so many, actually. There's a lot have popped in here. We haven't talked about that lately. So we'll have to do an update. Okay. All that's coming up, but first we've got Kat from Eat Your Tart Out with her recipe of the month. Our favorite foodie is on with Woo-hoo! us today, Kat Nielsen. Kat, am I saying this right? It's Nielsen, right? It is right, yes. You know, I always mess up your last name. It can't, you can't get any more easy American than Nielsen. <laughs> I mess it up. It's okay. Well, it's funny because it's all, you know, I thought getting this new last name would make my change of light easier, and it gets misspelled all the time now, same as my last one, and can't get pronounced right. So I'm still Oh, this isn't it. nothing like your last the, one. No. The grass is always greener on the other side. <laughs> Which of the none of us could say. Right. <laughs> okay. So anyway, to our listeners, we have Kat Nielsen on. She is from Eat Your Tart Out, which if you have not been there, you have to go to eatyourtartout.com. She's got the most amazing recipes, insights, photographs for foodies ever in the history of everness. Welcome back, Kat. Well, gosh, you always beef me up like this, and I don't know what else to do but smile and say thank you very much. (laughs) What, the history of everness? That's nothing. That's no pressure. Yeah, none, none at all. <laughs> well, you're okay. We've we have a lot to talk about. This we do this, this foodie type of flexible nutty episode. You're going to talk to us about something called chocolate cinnamons. Which yes. give a teaser. What is a chocolate cinnamon? Cin it is chocolate, cinnamon, and almonds all combined and. It's just, I stumbled upon this recipe. I love cinnamon and chocolate, which a lot of places don't do, but if you've ever had it before, you love it. It just, it's very addicting. 
And my one addiction is chocolate covered almonds. Like I can eat them the whole bag, especially like the Dove ones and things like that. They're just, they're so good and you can't stop eating them. Of course you're thinking nuts and chocolate with antioxidants. It's healthy, right? Yes. Not usually, but you know, especially when you're eating a whole bag. So I, I've been trying to figure out how to individually coat almonds and it's really hard to do that. Like I usually lose my patience in about the first two minutes and then I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to make bark and it's not as good. Like the individual almonds are just amazing. And I might be the only one out there that supports this theory of eating. No, I'm with you. Yeah, okay. I'm with you too. Yeah. <laughs> when it, any nut, when it's covered individually is better. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is, but it just, you get the whole taste sensation. It's not overwhelming. You get the right balance of nut to chocolate to whatever ratio. It's good. It's really good. And these, so if you were to take chocolate as kind of your moisturizer to the nut, and then you shake it in a powder like you would a shake and bake chicken, that's how you make these almonds. Oh. Yeah. So how much chocolate do you, okay, see, I have a little bit of insight now into the whole chocolate covered world here, and I'll get to that in a minute, but um, you... We're, we'll, let's just let's just dive into this, and then we can talk about our our other foodie things that we've got <laughs> that are waiting. Because I'm looking at this picture of a bowl full of chocolate cinnamon covered almonds. the The ingredients are very simple: one cup of almonds, one cup of milk chocolate chips, a quarter cup of cocoa powder, two tablespoons of cinnamon, and one teaspoon of salt. So that's the simple part of it. What exactly do you put in the baggie? Well, it's all simple. That's just the beauty of this is so the almonds, you just roast over the stove. I just love roasted nuts a little bit more. So that's a little bit time consuming, but you do that over a dry pan. It's very easy. And then you melt your chocolate chips. And so what you do is you coat just with a spatula, you pour the chocolate over your almonds, you coat them. So they all have chocolate on all their outsides. And then you mix up the cocoa powder, cinnamon, and salt. And what I did is I put it in a Tupperware container, put it all at the bottom, put the nuts on top of that, and then just shook out all of my frustrations for the day, anything I might be dealing with. And <laughs> you pull them out, and they're all coated, and that's it. That's all there is to it. It's, I know it sounds almost too good to be true, but I've been eating these almost every other day or so because Ooh. they're just so easy to make. <laughs> So but, there's no calories in these either because no, it, but no. the thing is with this is so normally like when you do like a shake and bake chicken or any kind of that like shaking in a bag kind of you always have those leftover bits that you can't do anything with because it's got egg or it's just soggy. But this the leftover cocoa and chocolate nibs you can put them into your hot chocolate oh, and then okay. you're not wasting anything and then you got That's this cinnamony uh, chocolatey goodness that you can <clears> use. You know, you could melt it down again, use it for a sauce for ice cream, mix it in with your ice cream, or do it as a hot chocolate. And that's what I do. You're killing me. You're killing me. (laughs) You're killing me. So it's so simple, but you use everything. And it tastes amazing. And it's so easy to do. Now, see, I can, uh, with my diet, I could have everything here, actually. Um, uh, The only thing would be, you know, I don't do sugar. So uh, what what is allowed is the dark chocolate. So I could use dark chocolate chips and do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So easy as that. And you can take these to a show with you. You can cart these along. This is like M&M's kicked up enough. Yes. This is like M&M's for grownups. Yes. (laughs) And it's simple enough that anybody could do it. And after a bad day, this is a great recipe that takes like 15 minutes to do. And you get all your frustrations knocked out. So it's a great thing to do at the end of the day when you're just like, I've had enough. I just need to relax. And then you get to eat chocolate when you're all done. 
Oh, I wonder if there would there be any other nut that this would work with. Oh, you could Cash- do it with cashews. Cashews. Yeah, um, I was thinking pecans. Cashews, pecans. pecans. That's that. a good one. Yeah. Uh, peanuts. You could do it with that. I don't know if the cinnamon would work, but you could always just try it out and see. And if you don't like the cinnamon, you could just opt out of it and add a little bit more cocoa powder. Or uh, or uh, uh, so, or even if you're allowed to have sugar, you could add a little bit of sugar to it too. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Very good. Yummy, yeah. yummy. All right. So, and where can people find the recipe? Before so, just eatyourtartout.com and you can scroll down or just use the little search uh, tab and just type in chocolate, cinnamon, almonds, any one of those three key terms, and that will pull it up for you. Very good. Mm. Mm-mm. Mm. What are we doing? What, what are we? <laughs> oh, yeah. You went to a wedding sure. over the weekend. I wanted to talk about something with the wedding. We'll talk about melting chocolate. Talk about melting okay. chocolate. So um, there was a big, we had a big family wedding over the weekend, and I had the honor of helping to make the wedding cake. And it was, it was a chocolate creation that will just your your life could end tomorrow if you eat this cake. It's so good. So um, the the cake was made at my house, and it was a chocolate. Chocolate cake is very dense, very heavy, dense, but super simple recipe. And we made, you know, like 10 inch, whatever, round. I don't even see this is how bad I am in the kitchen. We made those <laughs> round things that turn out to be cakes. So there was like, you know, it was in layers, it was in tiers. And it was this dense chocolate. And then um, over top of it, the icing was chocolate as well. And we had to go to the store and, well, Buck went to the store. He went to Whole Foods and he got real, like real cooking chocolate, right? And these big chunks that, you know, like you think that you can just see them shipping them over from some foreign country in crates <laughs> on like, <laughs> you know, freight ship, shipping lines or whatever. So there were, there, there's two kinds of, of chocolate that you can bake with. Apparently there's the hundred percent cocoa with no sugar in it. <laughs> And then there's the 70% that has a little bit of sugar. There's a big difference in how that tastes. Just in case you're wondering, make sure you check your chocolate. The label has to say. It shouldn't (laughs) say 100%. Anyway, so you put this stuff in a pan. You melt it down until it's like this nice, thick, goopy stuff you kind of want to take a bath in. And then you spread it over the top of the cake. And, of course, it hardens. Is that a ganache, cat? Do they call that ganache? Well, if you add a little bit of cream to it, that's usually called the ganache. Otherwise, okay. it's just chocolate. This was just chocolate. So there was no cream. We had to add a little bit of water just to thin it down and make it, you know, easily spreadable. But it was great because whatever, you know, you make a homemade cake. We're not professional bakers. You make a homemade cake and it comes out with little lumps and bumps or whatever. But this stuff was like spackle and it was chocolate. And it was really good. And before the chocolate frosting hardened... We embedded these amazing plastic things <laughs> in it. So the theme was that the wedding had a nautical theme. And the theme of the cake was all about Poseidon and his queen, Amphrodite. So instead of a typical bride and groom as a cake topper, we had Poseidon and Amphrodite. And then all the creatures of the sea who might be good for their relationship and who might be bad. We had pirates who wanted to steal the treasure because there was a treasure chest up on top of the cake. And so all of these, it was great. All of these things that we got at like, you know, the arts and crafts store, you just stick them right into the, the 
warm chocolate and boom, instant theme cake. That was delicious. And I helped and I didn't mess it up. <laughs> so where are the pictures of the said cake? Well, I have to wait for them to come to me. I have one. I'll, I can post it. I'll share it. Okay. Was this a theme wedding? Were you dressed as Kira Knightley uh, in your little um, outfit and there with Johnny Depp? No, it was not. a no. Well, the okay. theme was nautical, but it was a very elegant nautical. They had like starfish uh, okay. and anchors and red and navy blue because it was in Newport, Rhode Island. So that was that was lovely. Uh, but um, the bride has an affection or an appreciation for kitschy kind of funny things. She has a really good sense of humor. So we decided to play up that side of the nautical theme of the wedding. And it was great fun. It was really fun. And it was very colorful. So these uh, horse people may have seen these things some of the tack shops carry them they're called tubes t-o-o-b toys and they're like a little collection of you know plastic horses yep yep tube well they make you know nautical stuff too so there was fish there were clownfish there were dolphins and whales and sharks and sea turtles and coral and so we had all these things literally like tubes embedded into the cake it was so cool Wow, that sounds awesome. Yep, and my whole house smelled like chocolate, and there were big splotches of chocolate all over the kitchen. I got to look at you becoming domesticated. It was so much fun. So, anyway, I got a firsthand lesson in how to melt chocolate, what kinds of chocolates to use, how good it can taste when it's all done. I think I might officially be a chocolate fan. That's amazing. I'm I'm happy to have you par- as part of the club. <laughs> Thanks. Happy to be here. <laughs> That's my experience. I'm done. <laughs> Over and out. I don't want to be done. I want to keep talking about chocolate now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm getting really hungry well, for chocolate cake. Glenn, didn't you have... So- oh, we were going to talk about... Um- Cat had something else. I'm not sure. What did you? You had something else you wanted to talk <laughs> so about. So we're totally falling off the bandwagon at this point. So we're going from chocolate to more chocolate, and now we're going to the nine rules for naked dining, because that what? goes along with chocolate. <laughs> as long as chocolate is served for dessert, I'll do it. <laughs> well, or s- nothing. Yeah. Go ahead. I we can take this so far, and let's try and keep it classy here. Um, but I thought I came across this article this morning, and I was laughing about it because nine rules for naked dining. Okay, your interest is peaked. You're kind of like, what is this all about? And apparently, this is an etiquette guide to nude resorts. Now, I don't know how often any of you know your listeners are going to be going to nude resorts, but just in case they find themselves there. This is the opportunity to learn how to correctly behave. <laughs> I have a confession. What? I've been to a nudist resort before. Really? <laughs> for a week. Are for we a week. To talk about this on the air. <laughs> for a weekend, I was at a nudist resort before Jennifer. Weekend? This is pre-Jennifer. Jennifer knows about this, so I'm not going to get in too much trouble. Uh, yes, uh, I had a previous fiance uh, when I was in my young twenties who uh, like went to nudist well, resort. Well, Whoa, whoa, whoa. You were engaged before Jennifer? Yes. Yes, I was. Yes. Thank God that didn't work out. Um, So she, uh, her family did as well. So um, they had been gone. She had been gone a long time. So I actually went uh, with her one weekend to a nudist resort in the Poconos of Pennsylvania. And uh, we stayed the weekend. They had little cabins and stuff you could rent. And then they had camping and they had uh, all the amenities. Camping? Are you kidding me? 
No, they, no, a lot of people camped, and then they pool, and, and, and by the way, it isn't a cliche, volleyball is very popular, they had a volleyball tournament against I another can't. Can't. A, another nudist camp, um, <laughs> that weekend. I need to go now. <laughs> I need to go. She brought it up, wasn't me. I did, I did. It is. So anyway, what, what I would say about nudist camps is this was a very family place, and they were nothing was like no sex in public, none of that stuff. It was a very family place, and a lot of kids there, adults. Oh, that would be more tolerable than the volleyball, I thought. Grandparents, uh, you know, the whole works. And one of the things I would say is everybody expects to go there and be aroused, right? You can't be. You you just aren't because most people are not attractive naked. Um, you know, eighty percent of the population is. Oh, they had another thing that weekend too: hot air balloon rides. They had people from the local hot air balloon clubs bring their hot air balloons in, and they do the r- rides where you get to go up and down. And I was chatting with one of them. He said it's their favorite activity of the year: come to the news camp and do the hot air balloon. Rides. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. I really don't. <laughs> Lena, you, you brought it up. It wasn't me. I was talking about eating at a dinner table naked at a resort, and then we're just going off on this tangent. And <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in about, about what I found out about all your things here. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I don't know why this is so funny. It just is. But the first number one rule of etiquette is towel on. Naked butts at the table are a big no-no. So apparently this rule is telling you that you need to bring towels with you if you're going to be sitting in a public place. Actually, yes. It's required there. They tell you when you check in, you must have your towel and you must carry it with you at all times. You actually carry your towel all the time. And any place you sit, you must put your towel down. Thank you, towel gods. Okay. Cat is regretting it for bringing this. I, I kind of am, but it is funny. I mean, it's where else can you talk about something like this? You know, then on our show. Exactly. Yes, I apologize to all the listeners. If you'd like to turn it off now, please feel free. Come back next week. Well, we Go just want to make sure that they're prepared in case they ever find themselves at a nude resort. Nudist resort. That's correct. Mm-hmm. This is a public service. Right. We're we're helping everybody out. All right. Okay. Uh, the number two was just because we're all naked doesn't mean we're all friends. Now, what you were saying, Glenn, is that everybody was friendly, but it doesn't mean you should go and sit down at someone else's table or cozy up if you don't know the person. Kind of wait to be encouraged to come over. That is the other thing you get taught when you go into the camp is that personal space is still personal space, even with or without clothing. Yes, you are warned of that. And they will kick your butt out. <laughs> literally. That, yes, literally. <laughs> <laughs> This one, it just it's it makes sense. Just took me a little while to kind of um, absorb it. Was listen to your mother and use a napkin as a matter of <laughs> etiquette. Covering your private parts with a napkin while at a nudist event is good manners. Makes I, sense. I didn't. I didn't see anybody doing that. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> Uh, next one was some don't like it hot. Uh, most nudist resorts will hold traditional barbecues, and first timers need to be careful around the weenie roast. <laughs> uh, don't allow your waiter to serve you a hot bowl of soup; he can spill it in your lap. Makes sense. <laughs> I would have never thought about that, but now that I'm thinking about it, it makes me just want a salad and call it a day. Uh, 
next one was the- are you on your seat helena i'm i'm, I'm considering <laughs> stuffing my napkin down my throat at the moment but All you right. need your napkin to cover your private parts helena. <laughs> yeah don't do that <laughs> <laughs> keep going because we got to get through this list uh listen to your mother part two sit up straight Good posture at the dinner table is always a way to show good breeding and good manners. But when you're nude, slouching and elbows akimbo are not only more noticeable, they create a silhouette that is less attractive. <laughs> I don't know about you, but none of this makes me want to go to a nude resort. <laughs> I just don't think nakedness should be at the dinner table. I don't. I'm not a prude. You know, if I'm all about a nakedness at the beach is fine. <laughs> You know, uh, on your balcony, I, I don't know, sailing, fine. At the dinner table, I can't. I just, I can't. This is going in the best of list. Go on, Kat. Well, what's funny like, is... You, so, I, I, like, how do you keep... Uh, I can't even, no. How do, you, how do you keep your body parts out of your soup? Well, that brings us to rule number five. No one Say there's an answer for that. <laughs> no one will pardon your reach. Don't reach, even if you think it's not a reach. Nude or nude dining requires a great margin of coordination and control. Without a bra and a well endowed chest, reaching even a little may result in your breast in the marinara sauce. Oh yeah. Okay. See, see, I didn't even see that. Right. Right. Uh, right. Uh, there it's is just funny hearing Kat read this. That's it's a new funny meaning part. to the word meatball. <laughs> Not I, all right. Keep going. It's a, we're almost over. It's almost there. There is such a thing as too casual. Uh, casual dining doesn't mean you can put your ankle across your knee or feet up on the coffee table. Uh, reconsider the view others will have while eating. <laughs> Thank okay, you. That one's kind of gross. Go on. We don't need to talk about uh, that one. eyes up here, buddy. Um, I'd say the most important table etiquette is for nudist is for no staring. Makes sense. Uh, next one is food porn is okay. Real porn, no way. Goes back to kind of not using this as an arousal thing. It's just more of a lifestyle for some people. Yes. And keeping your phones put away. You're not allowed to Instagram your dinner at resorts. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you carry it? <laughs> Go on next. <laughs> uh, chill out. If you're nervous about dining in the buff, don't be. The resort owners... Um, said that usually being naked and concerns about it will go away after about 15 minutes. And okay, now that is true. Literally, you forget people are naked after a while. Oh, you did it? Like you actually did it? I can't. See, I know. No, you do forget. After you're there for 15 minutes, you kind of, because everybody is. Now, what you find yourself looking at, this is very interesting. In the one evening at the sort of nightclub they had there, they had a lingerie party. That was much more provocative than ever seeing a whole bunch of naked people walking around. And you'd find yourself looking at people who had clothes on. <sighs> it's true. And I'm just that, telling the truth. Because your eyes here. need a rest from that <laughs> horror of all. It just, Ask me if I ever went back a second time. No, you. I'm sure you didn't. I'm I, sure I you didn't, did. actually. And it's not, again, it's not that I, I understand the concept I get it. I I don't have body image issues at all. I, you know, I'm all about this, like, free to be you and me type of thing. It's just, I don't understand the purpose. I don't understand the, um, the philosophical purpose behind it. 
we wear clothing. I see. I can't even go there. It, this just opens up a whole entire another show. <laughs> Do you really want to revisit this a second time, Helena? No, no, I don't. I don't care. You know what? I really don't care. They let the meat naked. See, Cat is not having problems with this. I can see Cat at a nudist camp. No, I really don't think I could. I. Okay. What was funny enough is so my mom and I went to Martha's Vineyard on a vacation. We were down by the beach taking pictures and all this, and I started to say, I'm going to go take a walk, not realizing that that part of the beach was actually for nudists. So I'm there with my mother. Talk about awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I stumbled upon that same beach. Yeah. They don't tell you about it. They don't have signs saying, beware. So you kind of stumble upon it, and it's a little disconcerting. After a while, you're comfortable, but they basically had, like, shades up and stuff for their privacy, which I can totally understand, but... It's just, it's not something I, yeah, I don't especially want to eat naked either. I, I, I have a really hard time with that. That just doesn't sound appealing to me. But, you, but again, at least sunbathing and beach travel, sure, that sure. kind of thing is, is definitely, I, I just, I, I feel that. It seems more. like, it seems like a place where if you're going to do it would be a, would be logical to do it. Yes. To be naked. And yes. comfortable and, right, right. you know, all those good things. Uh, but at the dinner table. <laughs> all right. Whatever. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows what to say. How do we close this up? I'm not really sure. <laughs> what made us do it? Like, just in case you I didn't wondering. Say, I didn't even bring this up. This was not me, people. You can write your emails to cat at uh, nudistdining.com. <laughs> oh. <should> <laughs> no, it is not that. <laughs> Kat, what's the website again? I'm sure people are going to want to go see the article now. Um, Bon Appetit has it. Of all the places and all the people to talk about it, Bon Appetit, the very wonderful magazine that I love to read. Stuffy food magazine. It had this. That's funny. (laughs) I'll send you the link so you can go ahead and post it. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Kat. You're welcome. Thank you. Eatyourtardout.com and go search for Eat Your Tart Out on Facebook. It's been fun. Oh, my God. There you go. What a way to start off the show. For the few people that are left. After <laughs> the few people that are left listening, you mean? We actually yeah. have a serious training tip coming up for you with Ellie O'Brien. <laughs> She's doing her training tip of the month on lateral flexion. <laughs> <laughs> Here he goes. Which sounds, which sounds dirty after all of that. <laughs> and that's going to be... That's going to be right after this word with a nutrition tip so you can look better at the nudist camp by, Con- no, this is actually for your horse, by Kentucky Performance. You know, we had, and you know what? We had no idea when we named the show, really, just how apropos <laughs> it would be. We didn't even know she was going to do that whole segment. Nope. Oh, my face hurts. All right. We're Kentucky Performance Products up next with a nutritional tip, followed by Ellie O'Brien on lateral flexion for your horse. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. If you've ever had a horse with diarrhea, you know what a frustrating problem it can be. Finding an ingredient that works to dry up the diarrhea becomes a high priority. It turns out that researchers have found one, a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. 
It has been proven to improve and halt episodes of diarrhea. It supplies specific nutrients to the lining of the small and large intestines, and these nutrients promote healing of irritated tissues. It also supports improved starch and sugar digestion in the small intestine, reducing the opportunity for imbalances to occur in the hindgut. Nalox Advanced, made by Kentucky Performance Products, contains Saccharomyces boulardii, along with a blend of fermentation solubles and stomach buffers. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of any age that are suffering from diarrhea. It also supports a healthy digestive tract in horses at risk for gastric or colonic ulcers, such as performance horses or any horse that is constantly on the go and exposed to stressful situations. For best results, Nalox Advanced should be fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, hi, Ellie, and welcome to the United States. Good morning. How are you? Good. You know, last time we talked to you, you were about to move here, and now you have moved. Yeah, yep. I'm all set up um, here in Charlotte, and I'm really loving it. I've loved uh, meeting a lot of people in the equestrian industry, and it's been great so far. And you, of course, uh, for for new listeners, you came from New Zealand. We had Ellie on every month doing a a trainer tip with us, and now she can come to us from the United States. And for the first time, I got to meet Ellie at Road to the Horse, and we got to spend quite a bit of time together. It was so good to see you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was neat to finally meet. And Ellie, uh, Helena, Ellie actually co-hosted our live coverage of Horses in the Morning from there. She was my co-host. Yes, I know. I was able to tune in briefly here and there. You know, there's nothing like hitting the ground running, and Ellie has pretty much done (laughs) exactly that, you poor girl. I say poor girl. I mean, it's an exciting adventure, but I'm sure you're happy to be um, back to your new home and and settling in there. What's um? What do you think of? Well, how long have you been in in the states now? So a couple of weeks, a month. Yeah, we've been here just over three weeks now. Uh, so it's gone really fast, and um, I've loved every minute of it. But yeah, it is nice to be back home and starting to set up things properly, so I can get stuck back into the horses again. Well, now. now- Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Real quick, before we go on, you were at Road to the Horse. You were working with one of the clinicians and actually working there. What did you think? This was your first Road to the Horse, and also, you know, you got to see the kind of behind the scenes of how everything happens there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I was lucky enough to uh, have met the Double Dan team a few years ago, and um, when I was coming over here, I realized that it was going to be, you know, only a couple of weeks away from road to the horse so I put my hand up to come along and help out and that was really great my first time there and um, good to just see how it all happens and how it all works and um, hopefully I'm going to be competing there in a few years time <laughs> that's the dream yeah. anyway we're root- we'll all be really rooting for you if the- when that happens how about the <laughs> Kentucky Horse Park that was your first time there too <sighs> Wow, it was amazing. <laughs> One morning we were able to ride the horses out and um, we were riding over, you know, the cross-country course and I kind of stopped and thought to myself, like, I'm riding. <laughs> I'm riding at the Kentucky <laughs> Horse Park. <laughs> 
you know, not too many people who live in the States get to do that. <laughs> so, no, I just I've never done it. The crowd, so. <laughs> it is neat, uh, you know, when you get to actually go, you know, to some of those back parts where, where you, re- you really only see them during Rolex and during, you know, cross-country time. And it is kind of neat to see them when it's all quiet. And, you know, it was kind of yeah. chilly there when we were there. But, uh, I, you know, I'm sure that it was still fun to go out there and, and see the backside of the park. It was. It was a neat time. Well, and that just made you want to go be a clinician and do that all the more? Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> it was neat. I got to help out with one of the opening acts, and so I got a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be in the spotlight. So that was a pretty cool feeling. Let's tell people what that was. I posted yeah. a picture of it. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it, Helena. But uh, at one point, they, on the second day, they turned down the lights, they t- turned the lights off in the arena, it was dark, and they went out with these kerosene cans, and, and they, they put the RTTH for Road to the Horse mm-hmm. real big on the arena floor, and then Ellie will tell you what they did next. Yep, so one of the uh, Double Dan guys, uh, actually Donald, he... Uh, has learned how to breathe fire. So he went out and did his fire breathing thing and lit the RTTH on fire. And um, then we had a couple of uh, yeah, a couple of other riders come out on horses swinging their fire whips. And then we had a couple of people swinging fire whips and doing fireballs on the ground. And I finished off with uh, swinging like these sparkler sparkler fire poi type things so it was pretty cool so what you had was we the lights off in the arena and you had rtth huge on the arena four floor on fire so you could see the initials of uh, road to the horse and these guys were riding around with these fire whips swinging them every direction and then you had little ellie <laughs> out there in the middle of all this fire and with swinging her sparkler whips around shooting spar- uh, sparklers into the air up to the, about the ceiling it was really cool <laughs> <laughs> You know, you don't have to go to Road to the Horse to see people breathing fire. Just come to my house after my kids <laughs> trash the kitchen on after school Wednesday. <laughs> breathing fire. But I'm sure it was way cooler than anything you would see at my house. And a lot of fun. Very powerful. It this was, cool. was um Ellie, what, I, I know that we've covered this at some point, and, and I don't want to, like, I know we have the tip to do, but what... How long in between the time you first learned about the road to the horse to you actually getting there transpired? Like when, what made you say, this is something I really want to do? And then how long did it take you to do it? Well, uh, when I first learned of it was actually when I first met the Dans in at the end of 2011. Um, and they were preparing for it in 2012. So I guess it was kind of since then that um, my dream sort of started through them. And uh, just seeing how incredible it is, what incredible horsemen they are to be able to successfully put the first few rides on on a horse within that short amount of time and doing it in such a kind and gentle way as well. It was neat. It was neat. You know, by the end of the first hour and a half in the arena with these untouched, unbroke horses that hadn't even had halters on, they had the halter on in the first 15 minutes, most of them. And within an hour and a half, they were riding, walk, trot, cantering these horses in the round pens within an hour and a half. 
it, it was incredible to watch it. And, and, and then they, after three days, after only five hours of training, they're out there doing an obstacle course that you and my horses wouldn't even do. Uh, you know, Ellie, I can't tell you how many people in the audience, I was listening to the audience and all of them were saying during that obstacle course in the last day, my horse wouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. My horse wouldn't even think about it. (laughs) (laughs) And what amazed me too was like, how they just dealt with the crowd as well. Like that was pretty full on too, all the clapping and calling out and everything. And they just, they were like old pros at it. This was not a dressage crowd. This was a rodeo crowd. (laughs) There was no dressage clapping, you know. None of that. (laughs) Uh, I found it fascinating, interesting, and I'm a horse husband, and I thought I was going to get bored just sitting there watching them train horses in round pens. I was absolutely fascinated from beginning to end. I will go back every year. I, I'm I'm a convert now. And wow, that's saying a lot. It really is because you that know me. The listeners lot. know me too. You know, I'm not. You know, I get bored at the first dressage test I have to watch. But this was. It, you couldn't help. A non-horse person, period, would get bored because they think that horses... Ellie, am I right? They think horses just do this stuff automatically and the, and the rider <laughs> yeah. does nothing, right? Isn't yeah. that what non-horse people think? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. <laughs> no. And, and all horses will go, you know, uh, th- through this obstacle course. Uh, you know, they'll all do that. But uh, exactly. no, if, if you appreciate the little things you see through that hours of training, these horses, the light bulbs coming on during every session. And, and it's so interesting to see the light bulbs coming on. There's one thing, Helena, that really did mean a lot to me and shows you a lot. At the end of five hours of training, they do this bizarre obstacle course. And the one rider fell off because uh, they had to do something that caused a horse to buck. And he fell off. Jim, Jim Anderson, right? Um, he fell off. No, it wasn't Jim Anderson. It I was think, uh, um, Jonathan Field. Jonathan Field, who's been a guest on this show, Helena. Yes, we like yes, him. Yes, yes. Well, we I got love to, him. I got the. I was set up right beside his booth, so I got to talk to Jonathan a good bit. <laughs> and he fell off, and his horse took off bucking in, around the arena and was racing around. Did two laps around, and what did the horse do? Not go for the exit gate. The horse didn't go for the people that were standing in the middle of the arena, the judges and stuff. The horse, after racing around, he stood still. And the trainer stood still, and the horse walked back up to the trainer, stopped, and stood there. That was crazy. <laughs> that showed you a lot. I mean, it just showed you that the, that the horse understood who the herd leader was, right? Um, yeah. It was really cool. I, that was one of the most touching moments for me, Ellie. I don't know about you, but that was touching. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was, <laughs> throughout the whole thing, I'm, I'm such a big softie, and I was like, <laughs> I was like in a um, rom-com movie or something, <laughs> <laughs> trying to hold back tears. Well, when you're out there, the whole Horse Radio Network crew is going to be there. We're going to get a bunch of our listeners, and we're going to have a big party in one of those sections, and we're going to carry the best signs. <laughs> Now that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> you will have us rooting for you. We're well, let's talk tip now. Um, what, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, well, today I thought that I'm sort of, as I go through my tips, I'm sort of doing it in somewhat of a progression. Uh, so today I thought I would talk about lateral flexion, um, just because this is one of the real basic foundations that I, all, that I teach to all my horses from the ground before I even think about getting up in the saddle. 
it's a really cool multi-purpose type of tool and you can get a lot of um, things achieved in different aspects. Uh, So anyway, I'll get started. So what is lateral flexion? Many of us would have seen this movement when we have had like the chiropractor out or uh, that type of person. And it's basically just doing, um, well, getting, when they do the stretch, they have the horse's nose come around to his girth area and it stretches all up through the neck. So other than a good stretch, it was, it's also great because what you're doing is you're asking the horse to come into sort of a um, submissive position. Uh, from this position, we can get things achieved like moving the hindquarters across, uh, we can teach the horse to break at the pole and um, we want to have that achieved before we even think about having vertical flexion. When we're going to ask for it, what we're going to do is we want the horse's uh, head to break, like I said, break at the pole and bend to about 90 degrees to the side. You don't want to have the nose tip over to the side and the outside ear drop to the ground if that makes sense, because then you're not really getting the true and correct position My, come along. Okay, right, 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 right. So it's got to stay, so the head needs to stay, sort of the, the movement up. has to be parallel <laughs> to the ground. Right. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. My okay. pony has that figured out because I think before I got him, you know, he was actually tied to a tie line. And uh-huh. so he figured out how to turn his head and bring it around like that. He, that's how he yep. fights the halter. Um, and so I know exactly what you're talking about because with him, it's very difficult to get him to do it any other way because he's been doing it that way for five years. Yeah. Yeah. And it is quite a difficult thing to, to get them out of, but basically if you're getting that happening, what you want to do is you might have to move your hand around into different positions or even if, say if you're, um, doing this from the saddle uh, you might have to take a little bit of a hold of outside rein as well as you bring the horse's head around. And once again, just holding that pressure until you get the desired result and then releasing. So, um, you know, it might take a little bit of work to get them in that correct position. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> let's talk about why lateral flexion. It is the beginning of softness in our steering. If we do not have lateral flexion, we cannot achieve true vertical flexion, which is basically the horse uh, coming onto the bit and um, having a soft feel. I want the horse to be able to be soft and yielding in every position. And if there is resistance, then there is bound to be resistance in the vertical flexion. I'll also use this in ridden work to help teach engagement in the hindquarter and help standing up of the inside shoulder if the horse has been taught to motorbike around corners or has lack in balance. So as you can see, it's a really good exercise because we can cover a whole heap of things with it. The lateral flexion... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was just thinking about where where one would start. I mean, you're probably going to get there, but uh, of yep. course I... <laughs> I have the attention span of a flea. Um, where do you start? So if if lateral flexion is key to having keeping a soft and an overall flexible horse, what's the very first thing you would do to teach your horse lateral flexion? 
When I mean, yep. I'm I'm thinking here I am sitting in the saddle. I've got two reins in my hand, and the first thing I'm going to go to is the bit. Yeah, um, well, it, which may or may not be right. So, w- what's this? What's the jumping off point for teaching this type of flexion? So, what I'll do is I'll teach this movement from um, from the ground first, and just my rope halter. And basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand at the horse's side, kind of in the same position that I would be in, as if I was on up on the horse's back in the saddle. And from there, I'll flip the end of my lead rope up over the, its back as well, just for keeping it nice and safe and tidy. With my outside hand, I'm going to reach down the lead rope and slowly take a hold of the lead rope. First, I'll kind of like close close each finger at a time, so I'm ensuring that I start softly. And throughout this whole exercise, I want to, my goal is sort of to see how much I can achieve without doing a lot, if that makes sense. Um, so if I close one finger at a time, then I might only get to the second finger before the horse is given to me a little bit. And if it does give to me at that stage, then I'm going to really drop the lead rope and go back to the start. But on the flip side, if I'm working with a horse that has got a bit more resistance in there, and this could be an untouched horse, or this could be a horse that has sort of been maybe pulled around on a bit over 10 years of being um, led and whatnot. Uh, Or a busybody like mine who's looking around (laughs) at what else is going on. I I sometimes I find resistance that way, not really paying attention. Yeah, yeah. So, and what you would do there, you might get to the stage that you've closed all of your fingers and you're having to have quite a firm hold on there. Yeah. And you might get to this point and then they start to walk their feet around in a circle. <laughs> so you find that you're walking around in a circle with your horse. Stay in that position, stay holding on there, and it's really important not to let go at this stage. Um because if we let go, then basically all we're teaching them is that we want them to move their feet. So hang okay. on there, hold on to that rein, and as soon as the horse stops its feet and gives a little bit with its head, then you're going to release immediately, drop that whole lead rope. And so, so that you're really teaching them that um, that was what you wanted. The, the bend, not the movement of the hindquarters, because letting go is the reward. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so we have, so you wait, and this may take before, a couple of times, before right? Before we go on there, I just have a quick question. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed uh, that none of these guys did, and you're not talking about here, is is using treats to get this accomplished. Uh, I assume you're like them and never use treats. You use a reward <laughs> or cat or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, out in the field, you look at horses working together and I don't often see a horse give another horse a treat when it gets out of its sack. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, never looked at it that way before. (laughs) So the biggest reward that I can give the horse is to leave it alone. And that's the way it's going to learn um, the cue or aid or whatever I'm trying to teach the horse is just the pressure and then release. Okay. Sorry, go ahead, yep. Alina. I'm sorry. I just... No, because now you messed me all up, Glenn. You had to go and, you know, <laughs> I don't know what I was talking sorry. about. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so we were talking about um, releasing as reward. Uh, oh, I, so my what I was going to ask is how often um, would you, th- how often would you say that you should repeat this initial process to reinforce 
the yep. behavior? Well, what I'm going to do is, I mean, when we're first teaching it, you might only get a little bit of movement to start with, but you want to keep at it and but keep releasing for each little try until you've got the horses coming, the horse's head coming right around. So, I at the beginning, uh, I or actually even with my more advanced horses, the first thing I do when I hop on them is ask for lateral flexion. It's just a good way to warm up, and another thing it's really good for is once you're sitting up there in the saddle, uh, if you immediately ask for that lateral flexion, then it takes away that climbing on your horse and walking off straight away. So you're kind of cutting out the whole um, horse walking off as you're just getting up into the saddle. <laughs> yes, I've been there. Yeah. 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 So, and I yeah. usually fix it by saying dude, can you not do that? And it doesn't really work. You know, like, I, yeah, it doesn't, dude, stand still. I need to get on your back. And he's like, what? So, um, so, so there's patience. There is uh, a gentleness and approach. There's increasing, um, you know, they say you start off your request with a whisper and you sort of increase the intensity of the request as you find your horse is or is not responding. Um, yeah. So then we we get the, the behavior we want, we repeat it a few times so that it sort of sticks in their brain. And then, mm-hmm. you know, obviously some horses are going to respond quicker than others because some are more trainable, some are more focused. At what point do you say that's enough lateral flexion for today? I'm good with this. Yeah. Yeah, at the beginning when I'm first working out a horse, it depends on, like, say if that horse picks it up really fast and easily, then we might get through the whole exercise within five to ten minutes sort of thing. But if that horse, and then we'll leave it alone, but if that horse has found it more difficult to do it and I can only get the horse's head to come partway around, as long as we're... Um, we finish better than we started, then I'll leave it there and come back to it the next day. But I want to have it really soft on each side before I think about getting up into the saddle. Okay. Yeah. Cool. What do you think, Lynn? Is this something that you could teach PT to do? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to, actually, because, you know, he does have a problem with with that. You know, it's something that, uh, because of the way he turns his head, uh, I think we're going to have to do. And and even with carriage drivers, this is important um, because, you know, they they are somewhat more limited in what they can do as far as their turns because of the harness and the the shafts uh, being in their way. So they have to learn. You know, one of the things that I found most interesting, Ellie, and this kind of relates to that, was what uh, Jim Anderson said in his clinic while, while we were at uh, road to the horse in that you you think about the horse in three parts the front end the middle and the back end and you know he talked about what all those three parts here you're dealing with the front end to affect the middle and the back end and no matter whether you're riding or driving this is this becomes very important yes that's right yeah and i also find that if you haven't got one of those parts working then the other two parts aren't going to work as well either Right. Right, because they are yep. kind of connected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have – this is a good exercise for my horse who is um, – actually, he's he's quite lovely under saddle. He's, he's a, 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 quite a gentleman. 
but we have a hard time. Um, he kind of goes around in circles when, uh, with his nose to the outside. And there are a number of reasons for this, but I think one of them is that he just does not have the practice of this lateral flexion of being flexible. He doesn't understand that it's okay and can be more comfortable to flex to the inside, which like you said, you know, when, when we do some stretching exercises and we do some of these flexion exercises before we ride, um, he sort of gets lubed up for it. And then I find that bending Mm -hmm. is much easier in general. So those, those parts do connect in a softer way. Um, but it's, uh, it's just not something you think, you know, you're, you're, you don't think about starting on these little exercises on the ground. Let's do them on the ground and then let's do them when our horse is under saddle. The first thing I think of is just, oh, what, you know, I need a double jointed bit so I can isolate his right shoulder from his left shoulder. And maybe I just need a little Mm -hmm. more inside leg and then just sort of overcomplicate everything instead of thinking, well, let's just get off my horse and do some exercises on the ground. So I love this. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, um, I think when you run into trouble higher up in your riding and in your movements, always going back to those basic foundations and checking over them to make sure they're all happening and they're still in there. And then usually, more, more often than not, you'll find that you'll fix that big problem from going back and um, dealing for that small, um, what we would kind of think is insignificant um, issue that was early on in their training. Well, Ellie, thank you again so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It was very fascinating today. I appreciate you being here, and uh, it was so good to meet you, and I look forward to spending more time with you now that you're here in the United States. Yes, likewise. And now that you're a seasoned broadcaster and radio show host. (laughs) (laughs) I think I still have some work to do on that side. (laughs) You did great. You did terrific. We had had 10 guests on that morning uh, in an hour and a half. uh, Holy cow. Ellie kept up. She was right there. You you did a good job. That's what we call baptism by fire, Ellie. That's Horse Radio Network. That's our training program. We had a lot of really good guests, so that really helped. We (laughs) did. Some lovely, lovely people, so that was really cool. Yep. We actually did our first, uh, Ellie and I did the first guest that we had to have a translator for. Uh, the, that's right. The one competitor's wife was is French and didn't speak any English or very little English, and she wasn't comfortable on the radio, so she was talking in French, and we were we had a translator who was translating for us. So that was interesting. It was. It was really cool. It was so neat. Um, it was a very diverse um, uh, interview. Yeah, it was. We had Ellie with her accent. We had the girl who was translating had an accent, and then we had uh, the wife with a French. Uh, with lovely French accent, so it was great. It was I felt multicultural. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Selena's <laughs> laughing. That'd be the first time in my life. <laughs> Thank you, Ellie. Where can people find you? Um, Ellie O'Brien, Equestrian Finesse Training, and I can um, also do some pictures and videos on what we've talked about today, in case anyone got a little bit lost in that. <laughs> okay. But that's the best place is to look for those at uh, at your website or at yeah. your Facebook page. Yep. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Ellie. Well, now that we have talked way longer than we thought we would with our two guests that normally take five minutes each, we have no time for the rest of the show. We'll have to c- come back and talk about smells next week. And I really don't want to put our discussion on smells 
on the same show as the nudist discussion. <laughs> just no, no, I can't. Or food. I could not let you do that. No. So next week, we'll talk about good smells and bad smells. And then uh, we also will get to our tech and habit thing next week as well. We'll talk about uh, all the different weird apps that are out there for your phones. But other than that, I can't continue. I just have to go <laughs> eat. I have to try and eat some lunch. You just got to shut it down. I have to eat some lunch. Now you're going to eat some lunch. Good luck with that. <laughs> with my clothes on. Because yeah. not even Jennifer wants to see me with my clothes off eating lunch. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> Could you wrap the show, please? I, I'm gonna try. I, I I'm gonna try. Um. Well, thank you for li- <laughs> thank you for listening. We appreciate you following along. Make sure you check out the free Horse Radio Network app. Uh, where do we, Where do they get the Horse Radio Network app? Just go, go to go to the App Store at iOS or Android on your phone and uh, search for Horse Radio Network, and you can download it for free. And it's easy to use, and <clears> it's really wonderful. And last weekend. Thanks to Road to the Horse, we had a record. Hundreds of people downloaded it in two days. It was great. Wow, that's good. That's Welcome really, really to good. all the new listeners to the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is us. This is, this is Glenn Helena <laughs> and this is Table Scoop. For, um, well, you know what? We do this every week. Well, not this, but something along these lines. Something so, better. <laughs> I don't know about better, but y- if you want to even see what we have cooking Come come log on uh, next Friday for another episode. Who knows what we're going to be talking about. For details about today's show, at least the ones you want to follow up on, go to stablescoop.com. We will post links, and photographs, and more information about our guests. And we do love your feedback, so follow us on Facebook. We're um, Just search for Stable Scoop. We're there. The conversation continues. And you can also find us on Twitter at Horse Radio. Thank you, Helena. What's my line? <laughs> oh, um, many thanks to our sponsors. And uh, today is Kentucky Performance Products. If they, they'll never be back. They, they're no, I was going to say they may not be our sponsor <laughs> next week. But we thank you again. this week to KPP. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate you being here for as long as you have, and we're sorry we screwed it up. That's it, Helena. That I gotta go. Is plenty. There'll be more next week, and until then, happy scooping. <laughs> <laughs>